Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Woo! <laughs> I, need a, I need a better addition. I really do. <laughs> you got to whoop better than whoop. Ooh, whoop. <laughs> Awful. Anyway. Shoop do whoop. What's that one guy that like shot the beam out of his mouth? Remember that guy? That's an old internet meme. What? Oh, I... <laughs> It's like shoop to whoop man or something like that. I don't know. It's, I'm so brain rotted. Oh, I don't know. I just made up a word and it actually probably came out in that rhythm because I would hear the song "Shoot" by Salt and Pepper growing up. And I almost went shoot but ape. I imagine that's where sh- shoop to whoop man came from, but I, I don't know. Like, who knows where that guy? He kind of like like did a Super Saiyan com- Kamehameha out of his mouth. It was weird. <laughs> I learned about him because I watched a Minecraft Let's Build series. I don't. It's a whole thing. Anyway, we're, <laughs> hi. Anyway, Mark's Madness. I'm David. Yeah, Mark's Madness. I'm David. I'm Shibani too, and we have another guest this season. Or since I became a host, I guess this is the first like <laughs> real guest that won't become a host. I assume. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Prez. I'm from Minion Pod, and I am here as the Gramsci expert, supposedly. Wow, right to sell yourself, supposedly. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you guys will learn something. Considering Pete Buttigieg's dad is an expert. Oh, God. He's actually really good at his job. It's really disappointing. Rip. I know. Anyway, do you want to sort of explain what we are reading of Gramsci's? Because a lot of people voted for the notebooks. And obviously, there's three volumes. <laughs> there's more than three volumes. So, Oh, what? Yeah. it's It's been brought to my attention. The reason that I'm on here is that apparently Mark's Madness holds a poll to decide what's going to be read next. And... It took way too long, but now we finally have people interested in Gramsci. And the notebooks are incomprehensible if it's the first time you're reading them. They're the prison notebooks. You literally have this dude just sitting in a prison cell, has a lot of disability, so he's writing sporadically, and he doesn't have any reference things. So you will see him in the notebooks just like reference some abstract paragraph in like some abstract part of the Grundrisse or something like that. Um, That's weird. Holy shit. It's really impressive. But because of that, sometimes his references don't actually exist (laughs) Um, because he's misremembering something or he's just like, there also be like literally like one line notebook entry. That's like this dude is an ass and no other context. Um, Yeah. So it's it's me with a lot sense. of people on Twitter. This is like Twitter yeah. posting before Twitter. This is, really, Twitter. This, is, this is old school Twitter posting long before it was quote tweet, quote tweet, quote tweet, where you would retweet by hitting RT and then typing shit out. Like that's how that's Gramsci's Twitter. Ultimate hater besides Lenin, probably based on his writing. Um, so that is mostly the prison notebook. So we have three volumes that are in English. And even those are kind of sporadic because there's 
I believe 30 or 40 notebooks themselves. And these collections, these three volumes are kind of taking things out. We're going to read all 30. Oh, I wish you, everyone. No, God, no. Italian. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I'm going to speak it like it is. Uh... <laughs> um, so they're kind of just pulled out and contextualized in a way. So you might see like entry one, two, three, and then skip to entry 10. And it's part of the same train of thought broadly, but entries between three and 10, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those are like random things that he just jotted down in the middle. So it's, it's again, it's just a collection of all of his writings in prison. And there are good things in there, but if we're going to be sitting here um, reading Gramsci's work, the prison notebooks are not going to be the best part place to start out. So instead we have a definitely not liberated collection of works. This is completely custom and edited by Prez through educational resources. It's all... (laughs) It's all up to par for teaching. It's all legitimate. This is how I teach my classes. Um, So we have a collection that's essentially copy-paste sections of different books that are, they call them Gramsci readers. They're collections of Gramsci's writing in prison and before prison. And we're going to have various things grouped on topics. So like he writes about fascism You can see him talking about fascism before he goes into prison, right as he's about to get arrested, and then in prison. So there's kind of a trend there. Um, And we're also going to have the the first thing we're starting with, and then another thing we're starting with is some work by Stuart Hall, the late, great Stuart Hall. He was a professor of uh, culture and media out in uh, London, he came from, I always mess it up, we'll have to double check, but it's Jamaica, I believe. Um, he was part of the Windrush generation. But, so he is probably the most uh, prolific Gramsci scholar who's not recognized as a Gramsci scholar. Um, we have Rat Boy's dad, and then we have some guy named Perry Anderson. They're, they're kind of seen as the eminent scholars of Gramsci. Uh, Stuart Hall is important because, one, he makes it much more comprehensible. So if we read him before we read Gramsci, we're going to have a better sense going in compared to if we read, for example, Perry Anderson and then go into Gramsci. If I can make a dumb person comment. Yes. When you said, I'll have to look it up if Jamaica's correct, my brain went, Prez is so white. They don't know if they're pronouncing Jamaica correct. So, yep, that was a dumb brain well, on me. We have a Jamaica here, so by now I would hope I got it right. Wait, is this a different Jamaica? Yeah, Jamaica, Queens is named after the area that the Lenape named the place. So, in addition to making it more comprehensible, he also does the one thing few scholars do, which is actually related to struggle and experience. So we'll see him talk about the importance of like Gramsci and understanding Thatcherism and labor struggle and, and cultural struggle that's going on in a non-abstracted way. Um, 
if you're interested in theories of the state, I would just, I would recommend Stuart Hall anyway, but he is kind of one of the founding people of modern cultural uh, criticism and scholarship. And uh, he also, his one of his claims to fame was something called policing the crisis, which is misread a lot of times, but it's a whole book that essentially goes that the whole knife crime media thing in the 1970s in late 60s and 70s in uh, the United Kingdom, which was everything's getting dangerous. There's a whole bunch of stabbings. Um, we have that kind of thing move over here with, with gun crime and, and inner city crack and all of that stuff. Um, his main argument was that that cultural media project was part of the institution of neoliberalism and the requirement of that kind of media hype to be there to build a uh, kind of even stronger police state than already existed. Um, well, that that matches historically to, you know, um, with the, the onward to the crime bills in the 90s, but also, you know, the, the spike in policing and prudent populations, um, especially, you know, from Reagan, but, but starting all the way back with uh, Nixon. So that fits kind of the timeline a little bit with neoliberalism, especially with Reagan ushering a lot of it in and Clinton being the big you know, great card-carrying member of the capital D Democrats to usher it in. Well, and then you also have, like, the recent, like, fear-mongering around Hunter Biden, despite Hunter Biden sucking, whatever, I don't care. You know, a lot of it's targeting his crack usage and blah, 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 blah. You know, and um, you have Pat Socha's on the internet uh, saying to me, like, uh, that, like, they would they'd ice pick all lumpen proles because they think crackheads are just stealing all the time and murdering people's kids. Don't Pat Socha's use the term based? Yeah. What the fuck do they think that means? I'm so glad I stay away from this stuff. (laughs) If you can mute yourself when you're not speaking, you just have some weird background. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, so like, um, Stuart, you were mentioning relates things to um, like the actual material conditions that are happening, which is sort of my purpose within the Red Deal. And so, like, uh, you know, I feel I have to make up for the fact that I don't have a lot of purpose here. <laughs> I, I'm just like the the um, the color commentary. I don't know. <laughs> and that's a unfortunate double entendre. Uh, <laughs> but it starts off on this chapter 10 of Gramsci and Us, yeah? Yeah, so this is an excerpt from one of Stuart Hall's readers. Uh, he's dead. He died a few years ago, so now we're getting all the, like, the collections of his work. Um, and this is the beginning of where we're going to start, but this is also one of his major things about the importance of Gramsci. And so when speaking about Stuart Hall, just for people's like reference, from Kingston, Jamaica, born into a middle-class family. I'm just going to read the the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, won a Rhodes Scholarship to Merton College at the University of Oxford. Uh, he studied a, and obtained a Master's of Arts degree and became uh, part of the Windrush generation. What the f- What's the Windrush generation? Windrush generation is the uh, term for essentially the UK after they gave, they quote unquote gave Jamaica its independence. They realized that, oh shit, we don't have enough workers mm. to rebuild the country. 
So one of the main ships that would bring people to Jamaica from Jamaica to the UK after their independence was literally the Windrush. Um, so now we actually, a few, like a year or two ago, we saw the UK trying to kick out all of the people from the Windrush generation um, because they weren't actually guaranteed citizenship and all of that. But that that's what that generation is. Interesting. And it looks like he, he had focused his PhD on the author Henry James while at Oxford, um, which was a part of his studying of the invasion of Hungary. Uh, so I'd be interesting to see what his takes were on that. Um, do you, do you know what his takes on Hungary were? Luckily I haven't heard anything about his stuff on Hungary or Stalin or anything like that. I'm going to stay away from it because I really <laughs> <know>. <laughs> don't ruin my view. Okay. Um, he was a, uh, student of Tolkien though. Tolkien was his literature professor. So <laughs> you mean J.R.R. Yeah. Yeah. Paul was a Nepo baby. Um, sh- should we do a brief thing on Gramsci or just. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Like to tell, yeah, we yeah that's usually how we start. Yeah. That's yeah. usually how we start books is a little bit um, of background on so, the, the author who or what, uh, what, you know, whose theory we're reading from. But yeah, let me do a Bands of Turtle style interview just right <laughs> off the cuff, you know, and, uh, you know, ask, you know, well, first off, how did you come become interested in Gramsci? You know, let's. Ask why is it important to you? Let me just push up my glasses to explain that. Wow, actually. <laughs> um, we're doing it backwards. We're explaining Stuart Hall first. But so either Gramsci, way, I, however you want to answer this. So Gramsci is misread today. Um, I'll go into his history and then we I can complain a little bit before we actually well, go it, into reading this. A lot of me wants to say that part of that's because of Pete Buttigieg's dad, but that might you say he's really good at his job. So I, I, I just want to know, is there anything to that? Is there like a CIA, like, co-option of Gramsci? <laughs> it, the extent of that is I would say it's the same extent that we say, like, the CIA killed leftism by funding postmodernism. The the whole reason why Gramsci is misread and misrepresented is because he kind of got resurrected in Western, quote-unquote, scholarship uh, by the post-colonialists. And if you don't know what post-colonialism is, it's a style of thinking within academia. This came out of India, and it was the idea that the empire is gone. Now we're literally post-colonial. There's nothing... There's no remnants of colonialism still here. Um, They take one of Gramsci's concept called the subaltern, which is literally just the oppressed group underneath the proletariat, generally speaking. Um, And they say that we have subaltern groups that aren't being oppressed by colonialism anymore. They're being oppressed by, honestly, it's a little incomprehensible at some points. Um, I was going to say, what is their suggestion other than imperialism their suggestion is or, essentially or racism culture. but yeah that okay so like racism but that doesn't really that, that that doesn't mean colonialism's over you know in a sense that's a weird well right because when we position it, it, it's interesting because i would say like india 
might have an argument towards closest to being post-colonial, right? Just because, I mean, they've surpassed England in being richer than them. I mean, at a certain point, you do stop becoming a colony, and it seems like (laughs) they're on their way, you know? But, like, if I was thinking of actually a post-colonial society, you know, maybe the USSR had an argument, but that's debatable. But China you know, is definitely more of a post-colonial society. Or Bolivia, I would definitely say, is Mm post-colonial, despite the coups, those are neo-colonial. You know, those are imperialists. Like, those aren't the same as colonization or settler colonialism, whereas a lot of places, I want to say a lot of places, but there are still many places that are still struggling with that settler colonial contradiction. Like, Australia just had a vote to recognize Aboriginal Australians as people oh geez so that's wow i thought that happened so post-colonialist kind of bastardized him because half of his thing is culture and half of it is the political economic system and we're going to get into hegemony as as a concept but it's it's essentially you have the economic base and that influences the culture and ideas of the time and then when one of those changes it changes the other so the reason post-colonialism kind of bastardized him was because they cut that in half. There's no interaction anymore. So now that colonialism is over, we don't have to worry about the economic base and its relationship to how people operate and function and think. We just have to worry about culture. So now most people who read Gramsci are the ones who are just doing cultural analyses from a, an isolated academic standpoint. Um, we're starting to see him be mentioned in like the left podcasting spaces. So the dig surprisingly has a decent episode Um, against all of the hosts efforts. They actually got someone who, who knew what they were talking about. Um, And, you know, he's popped up in other leftist podcasts that I'm not going to mention because it's good. It's negative. Uh, But there's a misrepresentation of what hegemony and all of his ideas are generally so we're seeing this kind of growth of interest in him as evidenced by the fact that we're doing this uh series but it is very easy to make him less complex than he is and part of the good thing about gramsci's work is that it is actually a mess um it's tough to tease out but he's going into how the economic base interacts with our culture and what exactly culture is and is made up of and that is a clusterfuck. Um, and so I should finally introduce Gramsci. Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci, who was born in Sardinia 30 years after the formation of the modern state of Italy. Uh, Sardinia is politically and economically part of Southern Italy. And we still see the Southern Italy thing today, which kind of just cuts off at the bottom of Rome and then includes the main islands, Italy, uh, Sardinia, and Sicily. Um, Southern Italy was much more impoverished than it is today, but there's still a massive uh, underdevelopment in the South compared to the North of Italy. Uh, Northern Italy is the industrial industrial center. The South is still the uh, agricultural and, and uh kind of low quality life work there. There was part of his argument, he started off as a Sardinian nationalist before he became a Marxist. Um, so some of his early stuff, it, it has, and even 
right before he got uh, imprisoned, he was writing something called the uh, Southern Question about what do we do with this uh, massive impoverishment compared to the rest of the country. And, and he was essentially saying the thing we say about a bunch of regions that this these borders were just made up um, at the expense of the peasantry and proletariat for the benefit of the, the Italian bourgeoisie. Um, but he goes over from Sardinia. He gets to a university in Turin. He starts doing his dissertation to become a PhD doctor. And he eventually drops out and he drops out because he's an organizer. Uh, he spends most of his time in college going to factory rallies, going to protests. He helps, uh, he joins the Italian socialist party, which at the time was, uh, the way that most socialist parties back then were, they were a mix of social Democrats and outright revolutionary Marxists. Uh, he founds the Italian communist party. I didn't realize he was the founder. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) He founds it with, uh, Bordiga. Oh, rip. Yeah. Um, but so he founds it, he splits with the social Democrats and he kind of tries to do the whole, uh, Leninist idea of sometimes we have to be in parliament. Sometimes we don't have to be, um, he actually got arrested at a time where he thought that being in parliament would help the political cause because technically in Italy, you get parliamentary immunity. So this was when Mussolini was rising and he even writes about how he miscalculated after he, and and after he ends up in prison, but he thought that this would be like a smooth move to kind of like play the waiting game a little bit. So there's a lot of reasons to say the Pat Soches are complete idiots who should really read more theory, huh? Or just history. <laughs> yeah. Seems like it. Um, so he was, he was in parliament for a little bit. He got arrested while he was in it, but while he was doing all of the kind of parliamentary politics, he was working with factory workers. So Fiat was based in Northern Italy. He helped form what they called those. Kind of forgot Fiat was an Italian company. <laughs> so then like my brain flashed to all the commercials. And now they own Dodge or Chrysler or whatever. What? Yeah. Boo. Um, but so he, he helped organize the red years and, and that was essentially kind of like Germany where it very could have easily turned into a second or third Bolshevik revolution. Um, the difference between his case in Germany, Rosa got sold out by the KPD. In his case, fascism was already too much of a structural thing. So it was very easy. We already had what we're seeing today for him in the U.S. with like state-supported militias and all of that. We had That's where the term brown shirts came from. Um, Mussolini did that before Hitler. So by the time that this started up, we already had Mussolini backed paramilitaries going around and they were essentially fighting in the streets with all of these uh, revolutionaries to try and put down their revolution. Uh, And it worked. So part of Gramsci's uh, analysis after he gets in prisons 
is that why didn't we go far enough, essentially? Why did, why did we flinch when seeing these brown shirts when we shouldn't have flinched? Um, so a lot of his work after prison is kind of reflecting on this. This is, we're not the direct cause of fascism, but this is what we could have done differently. Um, and that informed probably one of the best analyses of fascism I've ever read by some Greek guy named Nicholas Palantzis. Um, it's literally just called fascism and dictatorship. And he extends Gramsci's whole analysis of fascism to, to like a very well thought out, if not a little Maoist, um, but a very well thought out idea. And this is the ideological currents behind fascism. This is when you have the support of the petty bourgeoisie. This is when you're going to lose them and they go join the, the monopoly capitalists and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so he spends a few years in Moscow as the delegate from Italy to the international. He unfortunately never was able to meet uh, Lenin or Stalin or any of them, but uh, Stalin did try to do a prisoner swap exclusively to get him um, after he got arrested and he actually rejected it. Uh, his argument was that a, 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 a captain has to go down with his ship, if I'm remember, remembering the translation. Oh, right. much respect, though. That's much like Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true leadership right there. Um, so when he goes to Moscow, he's, of course, at the international level of communism. He meets all of these different people. He meets his wife there. She was a Russian Jew. He has... I think three children while he's there. His wife doesn't come back with them to Italy. Uh, she actually leaves at one point because it's getting very dangerous. He never actually gets to meet his youngest son uh, because by the time the son, the son is actually born when he's arrested. So he can never even, even uh, meet the kid. Uh, when he gets into prison, he is there for uh, 19... I'm not going to try it. I'm not, I'm not going to remember the date. Um, he's there for over a decade. The much used quote about Gramsci's importance is that when they were trying to jail him in, in the show trial, the, the prosecutor said that we have to essentially turn his brain off for 40 years. Um, and so as he's in prison, he's, there until 1939, I believe, 1926 to 1939. Um, that should probably be fact-checked. But he's he spends the time writing. He actually has to push to get uh, his own prison cell, which somehow he does. He then pushes to get his own little library, um, and then he pushes to get uh, ink and paper. Um, they, of course, all have to be censored. We're going to see when we read through the notebook, the notebook excerpts themselves, we see things like the philosophy of praxis when he's using uh, that as a stand-in for Marxism. And he'll say, like, Illich instead of Lenin. And some of this, there's argument about whether or not we should have, uh, we just replace philosophy of praxis with Marxism and just have a one-to-one and treat them as if they were just codes or if, uh, interpret a little more. So maybe philosophy of pl- praxis has some more meaning behind it. 
Um, because these were notebooks, we can't actually know that for sure. But he does seem to lend, when you read it, a, a uh, level of give that isn't usually there for most most uh, very concrete, well, well-developed theories. Um, so they are often kind of general. Um, which, again, if, if he's trying to make something about the formation and study of, of wider culture and capitalism, you want that give there. Um, so as he's in prison, he gets his health worse and worse. He goes from the jail cell to a sanatorium, a place to rehabilitate, and then they bring him back to the main prison. Um, right before he dies, he gets so sick that they actually release him as, as a, uh, a kind of humanitarian thing. I forget the exact name, but, uh, right after he's released, he essentially dies in the hospice. Um, and that is most of his life, I guess, summed up. Uh, so thank you all for listening to another episode of Mark's Madness. Um, sorry, Nathan is, is gone. Uh, but we have Prez here, and uh, it's not at all the same personality. But <laughs> <laughs> what exactly are you trying to say? You, you're uh, you're an academic. <laughs> anyway, uh, no. Uh, so Prez is, you know, obviously here to tell us a little smarter things instead of just having and guiding us instead of just having us start reading volume one. Like we were going to do. Yeah, we were about to go into a buzzsaw. <laughs> that guy smells. <laughs> It'll give us some good stuff to quote, like out of context, I guess. But <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, if you want to uh, complain that we're not reading one of the specific Gramsci works, uh, or you want the Gramsci reader we are reading. We have it available for you, hopefully on the website eventually. But for now, email us, message us on Twitter, or get at us on the Discord, which is you can just go to the at Mark's Madness Pod Twitter to get on the Mark's Madness official Discord. Or you can go to the Patreon that you can find it at Bands Island or Chunkaluta1973 on Twitter, uh, where you can learn all about the cool perks you get for supporting the Chunkaluta network as it grows and incorporates new podcasts, such as our great friends podcast. Prez, did you mention The Minion? Very briefly. Go, go listen to The Minion if you like hearing about how much Israel sucks. Yeah. That's my plug. There you go. It's a good plug. Uh, yeah. And uh, besides that, um, uh, there's a Discord you can you can jump on. That's for, like, Patreons mainly and then, like, people we think are cool. Um, so, you know, maybe you could go to the free Discord and still get on there. Or maybe, you know, you could just pay a dollar and get on the cool one. <laughs> there's not a lot uh, else to go on there for. Um <laughs> We'll be doing the t-shirts for the $3 and up tiers, and that's a lot cooler. So get on that. Um, Other than that, I think I plugged everything. Uh, Yeah, now this is a new uh, book, so 
you know, I got roped into the uh, disclaimer tradition in Black Reconstruction. And, oh, we got to do that. We got to do. We got to do. Got to do disclaimer. So um, this has been, you know, Mark's Madness Pod. We read books, and um, basically, you know, this started off. It was me and Nathan at the time, and Nathan had come up to me and said, "Hey." You've read Capital before. It's good to read stuff in a group. I want to read Capital. Can we read this? And I thought, well, two's kind of a small group. So we recorded it and thought, what the hell? You know, let's see. Maybe we'll, we'll spin this thing up. And as we got deeper into it, we decided to launch a podcast. And ever since then, uh, what we've hoped is that, you know, you're in a party, you're in an organization, you're doing a reading group with that organization, with that party, um, and whether that political education group or reading group is reading this along with us, and we can be another voice in that group, another source of input, another source of discussion and context. Uh, if not, let's say they're reading something shorter or more applicable to their the work you guys are working on, then hopefully you're reading this on your own and we can be that reading group. We can give you context. We can help you review over another time so that you retain it better. You can get different perspectives, things like that. And I should mention, there's not just us, right? There's also mm -hmm. a reading group from the Discord server. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also now gathered Decolonial, Decolonized Buffalo onto mm -hmm. the Junkaluta network. And uh, they just actually started reading The Great White Father and then also will be reading uh, The Foundations of Leninism with us alongside this, hopefully. We're mm -hmm. going to try to get it going to where we have some episodes. So that way you'll never be without an episode like that might happen the week we're recording this. Sorry, <laughs> That was me. I can't blame David and Nathan. It was 100% me. <laughs> Uh, no, or I'll blame StreamYard. There we go. Um, yeah, let's blame blame, blame the technology. Um, <laughs> and then uh, let's say you know you're not reading this on your own. Um, hopefully, we can uh, help you. You know, whatever we can get it for you, right? Whether we're summarizing it like we do with Capital, we're doing a reader like uh, what Prez has put together for us here, or whether we're reading books, you know, word for word, like an enhanced ebook, whatever we can do to make those works more accessible to you, because we want these works out there guiding your actions. Um, those actions, one of their philosophy put into action is a phenomenon called praxis. There's a reason Gramsci was using theory of praxis um, when he couldn't say Marxism, um, because, you know, none of this matters without the praxis, and the praxis can be misguided without the theory. They go hand in hand, they are tied at the hips. But uh, yeah, so thank you all for listening. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. come in next time and we'll be starting this person who's not Gramsci. <laughs> My name's been David. It I is David. God dang it, look what I picked up. <laughs> I, I am always Shungmani too. Sometimes a Gato, actually. And I'm Prez. And we will, Prez. we will talk to all of you next week. Bye. Bye. Sometimes it's President of America. <laughs> <laughs>